So, welcome back to Big Fish Little Pod. Last week, Amy asked me a whole bunch of questions about my spiritual development and and where I am in my walk with God. And so this week we get to flip the microphone and I get to ask her stuff. Um, So what is your absolute earliest first recognition that there was a God? Yeah. I think <laughs> I get impressed with yourself. Um, I think I definitely, yeah, for me, I think my um, understanding or my awareness of God's presence predates my memories. Like, not that, I didn't mean that in like a crazy woo-woo way, but like, I don't have a lot of memories from my childhood. Like you're always disappointed in me that I don't remember much before we moved when I was eight, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think when I think of my kind of first memories as a child, God's presence, my awareness of God's presence was already there, you know? Um, so it's definitely God's presence in my life was strong early on. Um, I don't know exactly a a memory of my first awareness of God, but I do know that my first understanding of God's like personality and style was that he was kind of funny and super approachable, which now that I think about it makes me nervous that you might be described as funny. (laughs) Which is a pretty normal experience, right? Yeah. Because um, yeah. when you're a child, your parent is the god of your life. Absolutely. Basically. Absolutely. The provider, the instructor, the comforter. Yeah. I had to go to counseling at 20, 21 years old to get my mother off the throne. Um, yeah. And have her not be the God in my life, but let God be the God of my life. So yeah, yeah, that's pretty normal, right? Yeah. So God for me was definitely my friend, my um, confidant, my mentor. Like if something went bad in my life or if I felt ashamed of something, I was never hiding that from God. God was kind of, it was me and God. We were the only two that knew about it. Like we were on the team together. Right. So that didn't kick you off the team. No, it wasn't like I was hiding from God. It was like God was the only one that knew. And what what were we going to do now? You know, like it would be like, like, say I hit my brother and nobody had known yet. I'd be in my room hiding with God and we'd be trying to figure out like, oh, how is this going to go? You know, huddled up together. Yeah. Yeah. And also in a very funny way for me, God was always... Um, independent of the church. I mean, I grew up in the church. I grew up in a parsonage, the house that the church owns. I mean, what was it? I don't know. 50 feet from the church? 100 feet from the church? Yeah, 50 to 60 to 75, maybe. Um, Constantly in and out of the church building, constantly 
falling asleep on the floor of Bible studies, you know, like it was, church was a very relevant, prevalent part of my childhood, but my relationship with God, I don't think I really associated God with the church. Yeah. Like, I mean, I knew he was part of the church, but just like he was part of this, my school and part of our home. And yeah. Was there a place that you did associate with God? No, he was just always with me. Just always with you. Yeah. And I don't know, like from my childhood perspective, I don't, I know that I knew that God was like also like the creator and all knowing and stuff, but I don't know that it ever really occurred to me that like, in a real tangible way that God was also with everybody else. Like I knew he was, but like my relationship with him was so special that I never really thought about his relationship with anyone else. It was very personal, you know? And was that, was that all the way through your childhood? Was there any breaks in that? No, there was no breaks in that. No. So God was with you as a companion. Yeah. And, um, and God, God specifically, like, and that was one thing that came up when you were speaking. It wasn't Jesus. It was God. It was God. Yeah. I didn't have any problem with Jesus. But right. Jesus for me was always more the historical figure. Yeah. Character. Was there any kind of envisioning of that, what that meant? Or was it just, uh, sense or like did god take shape it wasn't um i couldn't like draw you a picture of god's face yeah but he also i always thought of him as male and he wasn't um abstract so he was definitely a person Uh and definitely a person that like knew more than me so my authority but in like a kind way like a mentorship way almost like when you have a dream and like you have the feeling of someone, but their body or face doesn't necessarily like you see it's your brother, but actually it's your teacher from first grade. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So the essence of God was very clear to me and it was very personal and specific. Like he was a person who had a character and a personality and I could describe that personality to you. Like he wasn't, um, he, he didn't punish me. He wasn't angry. He was compassionate. He was kind. He was loving in a real person way. Um, not in like an abstract kind of spiritual oneness way. Yeah. But he didn't take the form of Jesus. Right. And the personality I would describe of Jesus would be different than the one that I would describe of God. Yeah. Yeah. So was when you first started talking about that with this, is that the first time that you realized there could be a transference between your parents and God? I mean, I've thought of that before when I described okay. that. I think the reason why I know that that it's similar, but it doesn't freak me out is because I also had you in my life. Like you were, you were a really important presence in my life, but it was like, it was like mom was also an important presence in my life. And you and mom were two different people. And like, that's how I would have understood dad. I mean, with God and dad, like God was an important person in my life. You were an important person in my life, but you were two different people. So yeah, maybe you had similar characteristics sometimes, but you both supported me differently. 
Good. So at that time, do you remember a time when you weren't doing so well with your mom or dad, but you were doing okay with God? No, because I don't no. really remember a time I wasn't doing well with you. Doing Okay. <laughs> and do you remember a time you were doing well with your parents, but not with God? No. Okay. Um, not in childhood. Right. Yeah. Okay. And that was the next question. So has that continued in a consistent way throughout your life? No, I think in the same way that relationships, other types of relationships mature as you grow, my relationship with yeah. God became more independent of my relationship with my with you and mom. Okay. Which, again, I don't know if it ever was like connected. Right. But right. Um, right. when I think of my so, relationship with God now, I don't associate my relationship with God with my relationship with you. They're separate. Right. Right. We don't need to bring Freud into this one. <laughs> Or the or Jung. And just for the record, um, I've also went through a lot of therapy. So. Yeah. Um, good. <laughs> um, um, so, in a normal relationship, in a normal parental relationship, you get to the point where you have to begin to make your own decisions. Yeah. Um, is there a time you ever pushed away from that image of God? Yeah. I mean, I think twice. I think once when I was in high school, you'll remember when I used to go to youth group and stuff, you would be talking about something about God and I'd be like, well, not everybody believes in God. And you'd be like, okay, Amy, right now we're just going to talk as if people do believe in God because we're at youth group. And then we can talk about this once this section is over, you know, like it was like, I was just being like snotty. And I think that was actually more about my relationship with you. Because I think right. that was a place that was safe for me to rebel. Like, right. Um, I for me that didn't really have much to do with my relationship with God at that time. I never really had a feeling like, oh, I should turn away from God or make some kind of profession that God didn't exist. Um, right. I did not get baptized when um, most of my friends got baptized when we were like sixteen, seventeen, and Andrew, my brother, got baptized. Um, and again, it wasn't a huge turning away from God. It was that I, at the time, what I said was that I didn't feel comfortable saying that like Jesus Christ was my Lord and Savior who died for my sins. Like I didn't feel like I knew that for sure. And so I didn't want to mm -hmm. profess that. But as I've seen later in my life pattern, I think I also have a block around public displays of spiritual profession so i think that was kind of the first link in that chain of either i have a block around that or a sensitivity to that or something but that's a pattern that i've seen in my spiritual life that i might be very dedicated but i'm not interested in public displays of spiritual profession mm -hmm. so i think that was kind of a turning point where i and again i didn't feel like i was being different or rebellious i just didn't feel with like full honesty integrity i could say that about jesus and so 
I didn't get baptized. But that is a pretty big deal that like the minister's daughter didn't get baptized when everybody else, including her brother, did, you know? And I remember you at the time were totally cool with it, by the way, just for the record. And then it was in college when I actually turned away from God myself. Yeah. Um, I went to a Catholic school, not because I had any interest in Catholicism specifically, but it's just a school, like a Jesuit school. And then um, as I learned more in college, I just started to realize that God didn't make logical sense, that the reality that God existed didn't make logical sense. And I don't know how much of that came from schooling. Again, I went to a Catholic school, so like they were pretty um, sensitive about that, actually, you know, (laughs) like uh, a lot of people, I mean, more than 50% of my peers were all Catholic and went to mass, you know, so it wasn't like I was thrown into this like non-sectarian environment but i just started to realize that it didn't make logical sense that god existed that he probably didn't exist that it i mean i also studied history and anthropology so it might have come from that like that i started to realize that religion was probably what they say like the opia of the masses and it was probably just something that people made up to help them feel better and So at that point, what did you do with what to you up until that moment were real experiences of having God as a companion? Yeah, well, it's true, actually, because when I was like 15 or 16, I remember having this real realization that, that there was like this big light in our chest like a big circle light in our chest and that like different ones of us had that kind of like gunked up (laughs) and like from different things that happened in our lives that like ideally this light would be like pure and shining bright for all of us but that like it was kind of gunked up from different things and I remember sharing it with one of my teenage friends I even remember the exact place where I was when I shared it with her and she didn't really get it, but I felt it so strongly, like with like a deep clarity. And then during that time, I also had these connections with different like random kind of strangers where like suddenly I would feel like I knew them on like a different level, more like connecting on spiritual level experiences um, that I didn't get. And I remember I also talked to you at that time and said like, it seems like we all kind of have this hole in our like selves and I don't know what that's about and I don't know what to do with that. And you said like, yeah, everybody has this hole and they can kind of fill it with different things. People fill it with drugs, alcohol, sex, like addictions, work, um, romantic relationships. Uh, but that, and you said, but I think that the only way you can really fill it is with God. So I kind of had all these like preliminary experiences and tried to explore things. I remember I went to like a spiritual workshop that mom was really into and I got there and I was trying to talk to everybody about these experiences I had. And then I left there realizing like they didn't really know what I was talking about either. <laughs> so there were definitely hints at things like that. Um, but then when I got to college, mm. 
yeah, I didn't explore any of that. I didn't explore anything like that in the first three years of college. So, so, so that experience that you had grown up with, with God and you being on the same team, working together for you. Yeah. Did God like stay in Rhode Island when you moved to Fordham? I think, I mean, I think a lot of change happened when I moved to college, you know, Um, and I think that it just, yeah, I just kind of let it go. Yeah. And it wasn't like, again, I didn't turn away. It just became neutral. Like it became quiet. My relationship with God. You, do you remember leaving God behind, like with your toys? No, I just didn't think of him. Just didn't think. I just okay. didn't think about him for like for yeah. three years, basically. Even though we had a church musical that sang about the holy hole, <laughs> and your father rapped about that <laughs> in Doctor Newhart. Well, and it's funny. <laughs> I explored like so many interesting things. Then, like, it wasn't like I was just like drinking and like chilling out or like I was really into like the city and going out and like learning about all different things right. and art and culture and like I w- it was really a time of exploration for me but I did not explore anything around spirituality at that time right right it was really dormant and I really just right. I remember just being really sad and kind of disappointed to learn that like God didn't really exist okay and if someone had said, if God, like, you can pick, did God exists or he doesn't, I would have picked he exists because I really loved him. But it just became clear to me during those years that he actually really didn't. And, okay. And so much of what I did, I followed what my brother did. And I think my brother was going through something similar. You know? Yeah. And, yeah, it just was like, if I'm going to be an intelligent person in the world, I can't believe in God. That's basically okay, and I just kind of made that choice that that's what I wanted to be. So, how did you deal with your father and mother? Who I'm assuming you maybe you didn't think we were intelligent. (laughs) Uh, I think when you're in college, you're challenging a lot of things about your parents. You know, yeah. So, like, I mean, I remember I drank in college, and mom was like really nervous about the fact that I was like drinking underage or I remember like you gave me kind of guidelines and ideas about how to drink or how to interact with young men and I followed some of them but I also broke some of them and so I think like yeah when you're in college you are kind of doing that you're testing those things and you're realizing that maybe you can make different choices than your parents and actually you don't have bad consequences or Maybe they're right or maybe they're wrong. So I don't think I had any bad feelings towards you guys. I think it was just one other thing that, yeah, was kind of in there. And I always knew, like, you always said as long as you're seeking, that as long as we were seeking, then you were happy. And I also had a mom who was really into alternative types of spiritual life and in and out of a relationship with God. So it wasn't a super foreign concept either. Yeah. 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 Um, So you've, you've, I think, intentionally said – three years a couple times as we talked about this. What happened after three years? 
So the summer before my senior year, I went to England for the summer. And in some ways it was great. And in some ways it was really, really hard. And I was pretty emotional and a little like out of control emotional while I was there. Um, And I remember being on a phone call with my mom that summer and I was just like crying and I was like, I just don't know what to do anymore. And mom said, what's your relationship with God like? And I swear to you, it's like, it's like as if you're in a movie and like the camera just like, like warped. Like, it's like as if it's the first time I had thought of God since before I had left for college. (laughs) It's like as if somehow I just forgot him for three years. And I said to her, non-existent. That was my answer. What's my relationship with God like? Non-existent. And she said, well, maybe when you get back from England, that's something you could explore. And when I got back in the fall, I really thought about that. And I decided that I wanted to explore spirituality, but in a different way than through the normal Christian church. And so I had been kind of raised from mom with Louise Hay principles, Louise Hay was this teacher who really came into the scene in like the 80s. And he wrote a book called You Can Heal Your Life. And it came out actually like just around the time I was born. And mom was super into it. And I don't think you were opposed to it. I think you were. I actually introduced it. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I never got, I got like you guys were both kind of on the same page, but mom was like really into it. And I knew that it had really helped her she, a lot of things from her childhood. Yeah, we turned to that book for one, as one of our attempts to heal our relationship. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we first discovered her. Yeah, so I looked her up, and she actually had been a minister in an organization called the Science of Mind, which is actually now called the Centers for Spiritual Living. And the church she had gone to was in Manhattan and I was in school in New York. So I looked it up and one Sunday I went there and it was a pretty big deal because it was so out of the ordinary. I mean, I lived in the Bronx. Everybody was partying like on a Saturday night at school. And instead I went to bed early so that I could wake up, walk to the subway, take the hour train into Manhattan, like walk the empty streets of New York on a Sunday morning to this church. And I remember actually I was very nervous and um, somehow I texted Michael, my best friend who lived in New York City at the time while I was walking to the church and he texted back, which I was really surprised because I thought everyone would be sleeping and he, he was near me. And so I went and met him on my way to church and he was coming home from the night before. <laughs> and, um, I, I said to him like, well, you come with me to this church. I'm really nervous to go by myself. And he didn't want to go. He was in his clothes from the night before, but I convinced him. So he went with me. God bless him. He, <laughs> such a good friend. he went with me to the church and I, it was the first time when I sat there, I was just in awe. It was like, I was just in awe the whole time. Everything I had been thinking like all those teenage years, the hole, like in my chest, the light, like the gunk that was clogging up, like everything. They were, it was like, they were saying everything I had ever like felt. 
like it, everything felt so familiar. And they gave us this book about meditation, like a free little pamphlet. And they taught us how to like meditate. And the pamphlet was like, you were supposed to do it every day. So we left and that week I did the meditation every day. And on Saturday I called Michael and he said, Hey, do you want to go back to that church with me tomorrow? I'm going to go. And he was like, no, I don't think so. And, he, and I was like, how has that meditation been going for you? And he was like, Oh, I didn't do that. Hmm. <laughs> and I remember that was like a real moment for me where I realized like, Oh, I have, this is clicking for me in a way that's different, you know, like, cause to me, like, it, that meditation every morning became like the thing I looked forward to every day. And the fact that he just didn't even do it, it just showed like, Oh, this is a path for me. you know. So I went back and then I started going every single week. So I stopped going out on Saturday night so that I could go to bed early. All my friends made fun of me and I woke up early every Sunday and I took the train for an hour into the city and I walked to the church and I would go every single Sunday and I started meditating every day and yeah I just got really really into it and I started like reconnecting to God in a different way than I ever had before and um, I was graduating that year and I didn't know what I was going to do. And I had been to Prague the summer before and I had really loved it, like on a quick trip after England. And my mom, I had convinced my mom to go to a similar Science of Mind Center for Spiritual Living in Rhode Island. And while she was there, she had met this Buddhist monk who had a place in Prague, a retreat center that he was inviting people to. And she said to me, like, what if you went to this meditation center he's inviting people to come and you love Prague so I didn't know anything about Buddhism but I applied to go and they accepted me and so after college I went to this place and that also like everything so much in my life it was mixed some of it was great and some of it was not great but all of a sudden I was at this Buddhist meditation center in like the national forest outside of Prague in the Czech Republic meditating every morning and every night and doing like service during the day with all these like different people like from different parts of the world and it was really interesting and while I sat in the meditations one of the things about Buddhism that I hadn't realized before I went there was that they don't really believe in God right? as, as a person, you know? Right. Um, and I remember when I would sit in the meditations, I would be singing this song that we had sung in the church in New York, which is like, surely the presence of God is in this place, you know? And I'd be singing the song to myself in my mind. Um, and it's when, like, my relationship with God really started to rekindle, like, in this environment in which he was supposed to be absent, you know. And it really was helpful for me because at the time I didn't know the terms impersonalism and personalism. Mm -hmm. But those are two, two like, um, theological terms that determine different types of philosophies of spirituality and it was at that time that I really started to realize that I'm like a personalist. Mm. Like I'm someone who like my spirituality really depends on these specific personal, re like person of God, <laughs> that he is a person and he has a form and a character. And, um, and I remember somewhere I, in their library, I found a book that 
said, if you're struggling with meditation, it must not have been a Buddhist book, but it said, if you're struggling with meditation, one thing you can do is you can repeat the names of God in your mind. So the next time we were meditating, I did that. And I just repeated all the names I knew, Yahweh, Jesus, Jehovah, Allah, you know, just all the names of God that I knew. And I had this like amazing experience in that meditation, like unbelievable experience where I just felt like hi and I remember I got out of the meditation room and I called you on like a very expensive like cell phone call from the Czech Republic and I I said to you like I don't know what happened to me it's either like I'm on drugs or I'm dead or I'm in love like I don't know what happened and that was like my first like real like kind of transcendental like high from meditation yeah um, and kind of brought me full circle back to this relationship with like a personal God um, that I had had when I was a child, but through a different avenue than Christianity. Right. In a place yeah. that didn't really believe in God. No, like I wasn't following the instructions. <laughs> <laughs> But I did learn a lot in terms of like, the regulation Absolutely. meditation and service yeah. and sangha, which is like a group together yeah. practicing strength of that. Yeah. And, and that also kind of began my journey of meeting kind of like the spiritual sl- seeker slash traveler uh, crowd because yeah. that's who was there. Yeah. And I think... Um, I knew of like the traveling community because Andrew had done that, but this was my first time really tapping into like the spiritual seeker traveler right. crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that, that put you on a journey of seeking. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you did, right? Yeah, from there, I went to California. All of these, I say I went to California, but all these had long or short pit stops in Rhode Island. Right. (laughs) Where I licked my wounds from bad experience, tried to refill my bank account, ate for free in my parents' homes. Um, So after a short stop in Rhode Island, I went to California, where my brother was living, and there I dove deeper into meditation. I again found a science of mind group there. I went to a meditation group and that's when I really started getting into books. So I found kind of like the spiritual section of the library and I would just take out all the books and I would just read all the time. And then that's when I started finding like spiritual stuff on YouTube and online. And I listened to Abraham Hicks, which is like a, um, channeling similar to like Seth Speaks what you had talked about yeah. your journey um, and Wayne Dyer and yeah so I was like doing all this meditation and I started getting really into yoga and I started doing yoga every day and uh, when I was in California people said to me like if you like it here you would really like it in Australia and so I kind of got it into my mind that I was going to go to Australia and, um, yeah, so I was just in California 
now prepping to go to Australia. I became a vegetarian at that time. Um, and I, after another quick stop in Rhode Island, I went to Australia. And when I was in Australia, that's when I really kind of really started to take on the identity of like a spiritual person. Um, so all the people I started to meet, um, were based off of spiritual groups or people, it just became the topic, you know, like when people say to you like, Oh, what do you do? Or what's, what, like, what are you interested in? It just became like, I was the person who meditated. Like I was the person who was into spiritual stuff. So I went to Quaker meetings when I was in Australia a lot. And, um, I, again, like dove really deep into the library. I would just talk to my friends all the time about the spiritual, the new spiritual things I was experiencing. Like every day I had like learned something new about spirituality and, um, I had taken some classes at this point through the centers for spiritual living and it had like really changed my understanding of like how we're not this body, but we're like a spiritual being having a physical experience. And, um, it was on a really, really long walk in Sydney one day that I stopped into what they call a charity shop. It's like a Salvation Army. And I saw, I needed a book. I was walking to the beach and I needed a book and I saw this book on the shelf that I recognized from my childhood. And so I just got it and it ended up being a return to love by Marianne Williamson, uh-huh. which is based on a course in miracles. And I read that book in it. Like, I think if I had to say one book that like changed my life, it was that book. Nice. Um, so yeah, I was just going like deeper and deeper and deeper into my meditation practice, into spiritual life, um, making like life bets on spiritual stuff, like, like moving around the city of Sydney, just trusting that like God and the universe were going to support me and like these decisions that seemed like out of the box, but was really what my heart was saying. And it was really just like a time of exploration for me where I was just like really pushing my boundaries around how much I trusted God and how much um, actual physical change I could have in the world around me just based on my spiritual convictions. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. So now you had a Christian church upbringing. Um, you had the influence of of this generation and science and facts that say there's no God, you rekindled a relationship with God in a Buddhist, um, a Buddhist meditation center that is more philosophy that of life, real good philosophy of life, but doesn't really include the idea of God. Um, yeah. And then you you found the Marion Williamson tracks, you know, and and took a lot from from that with through this and and before that the through the science of mind stuff, um, yeah. and then you ended up in a Krishna center. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was paying my way through all this by being a temp on and off. And so I was working, my latest temp gig was like in the skyscraper in the middle of Sydney, working for an international oil company. <laughs> I was like, while I was there, I was like, I don't, I had like three months left on my visa in Sydney. And I was like, I don't want to just spend the rest of my time in one of these offices. So like, what can I do instead? So I Googled meditation centers, Australia, and I looked through different things and five different ones caught my eye. So I emailed the five different ones and this guy wrote me back quick. And he said, we have a a yoga retreat center. It's an hour South of Sydney. And we also have a vegan cafe. Uh, If you want to come down and check it out. And so I went down, I took the train down one day on a Saturday and I went to their vegan cafe and I, it's funny because it's so funny how things work, but I had read something earlier in the week that had said, when you meet people, you should think this is, these are the people I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. Hmm. When you meet someone, that's what you should think like to really strengthen a relationship. And I'd read that that week. So when I went on Saturday, I remember the moment I met this one guy named Achuda and he introduced himself and I shook his hand. And I remember thinking in my head, these are the people I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. Mm. (laughs) And um, so I went, I was at their vegan cafe that I went to their retreat center and it was just this cool, spiritual, intentional living place, all based on bhakti yoga, which is a type of kind of like the, the spiritual, spiritual philosophy behind what we think of as yoga, like the stretches and stuff. And it was this specific group was part of kind of the wave of gurus and yoga communities that came over in the 60s, like that the Beatles were really into and that were kind of all the rage in the 60s here. And a lot of those groups, like different ones, like the Vedanta Society and all like, you know, like the Kripalu people, like they, a lot of them live in these intentional spiritual communities. So this was one of them. And I, honestly, it was just an easy choice for me because I didn't eat me. I wasn't into drinking and drugs. I had actually really let go of drinking at that time because I had gained so much Uh, self-control through meditation that I found that when I drank at that point, like I would actually lose that confidence and control where in the past, like drinking had brought me confidence. It started to have the opposite effect. So I stopped drinking and I wasn't eating meat and, and they meditated every day. And so I was like, this is perfect. So I thought like, let me move in here. um, And I'll be here for the last three months of my visa. I just kind of lived there and I um, really enjoyed it and I really got into it. And the people really struck me like their kindness and their mood towards service. And um, the way they meditated was by chanting on beads and they would chant the names of God, which is exactly the experience I had had in Prague like a few years before, like that amazing experience of chanting um, the names of God. And they also really believed in a personal God that like God was a person and that we could connect with him personally. Like we do in other relationships and bhakti yoga yoga actually means in Sanskrit to connect. It comes like we have the word yoke, 
yeah. yoga yeah. connect. And so there's different types of yoga. This type, bhakti, bhakti means through loving devotion. Mm. So it means to connect to God through loving devotion, which was exactly the relationship I had had to, with God yeah. when I was a kid, you know? So it was just a very easy fit for me, you know? During those three months, I met Jannard and he came to stay at the retreat center. And that's my husband. And he had been practicing bhakti yoga for 15 years mm. at that point. And so then my journey into spiritual life and traveling the world became like not just me, but now it was both of us. And so then we actually left there for a while. We went to another intentional spiritual community in Belgium. We went to another one in Florida. Um, and now we actually live at one here in the D.C. area. So since that time, with a few breaks, I really haven't lived anywhere else except uh, intentional spiritual community. Um, but through that time, my spiritual journey continued to grow. Like I, back when I was in New York, actually, when I had been going to the Science of Mind, the Center for Spiritual Living place, I left church one day and I was walking in the street in Manhattan. And I actually really, it sounds so cliche, but I actually really had like a calling. Mm. Um, I all of a sudden just knew like I had to be a minister. Wow. <laughs> and I called you and I said, like, I think I have to be a minister. And you were like, great. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, I, so I would have been like 22, 21, 22. And I remember that time thinking, I'm not going to be a minister for a long time though. Like I'm not ready, but I knew it then. And I remember even Carol, like, later saying like how's it going with the minister thing and I was like no 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 like it's not right now you know I'm not ready and so then it was during our time in Florida that I really started to think like I think I'm ready I want to start to pursue this um and Janardin really encouraged me in it and I searched for different seminaries that were fitting for me and I think that's been like the biggest difference between my path and yours is now like turning towards ministry and actually all my life like my spiritual identity is not clear when it comes to denomination or religion yeah you know? um because even though i live in like this bhakti yoga community they have like a type of baptism or confirmation that they call initiation i've never had that done and i have no intention really of having that done <laughs> anytime soon you know um that kind of formality doesn't feel attractive to me um and when looking for ministerial schools it was really hard for me to find a seminary that was fitting to me because I didn't really want to go to a Christian seminary but I didn't really want to go to like a non-Christian seminary um it's like another tail end big aspect of my story is that like when I lived in Rhode Island for a year, I went to your Bible study and I read the whole New Testament for the first time in my life. And it like drastically changed my life and like didn't even rekindle a relationship with Jesus because I never even really had that kind of relationship with Jesus before. It actually really just sparked a huge relationship with Jesus and um, suddenly, like, the bumper stickers of, like, Jesus is Lord and stuff like that <laughs> makes so much sense to me. <laughs> In a way that I never anticipated that it would. Um, 
And so I think like the eclectic nature of my journey was fun and exciting as it went along. And now trying to find like a specific identity in my spiritual life can be challenging because I feel very like deeply connected to my relationship with God, but it's challenging to define theologically. Yeah. The difficulty of having such a varied experience is that unless you're Amy Hollis, who doesn't care about the rules of the group that she belongs to, which isn't true because you do live in a, a community that has certain rules, but it's hard to find one that is inclusive of all the others. Right. And you know? to be honest, like without criticizing those ones, the ones that I find that are inclusive of all the others tend not to have a depth of spiritual commitment. That right. Right. Very good. Um, the good news is you're right in line to minister to the millennials. They aren't looking for denominations. They don't like denominations. Right. They they don't even like formal church. Right. Right. Because they see those walls and those philosophical and theological barriers as harmful, not helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know I don't know what that shape is going to be, but that that's where ministry is going to happen. No, it's true. And I think you as like a mentor has really helped me come into that because I think for a long time, I just felt very out of place. Yeah. No matter what group, like I wasn't Christian enough for the Christians. I wasn't yogi enough for the yogis. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't alternative enough for like the alternative people. Like I think, yeah, I have very specific beliefs and, I feel really strong in my conviction um, and in my relationship yeah. with God. And so I'm not like loosey goosey, like open, easy, you know? Right. Although I do think I'm fairly inclusive, but right. yeah, it left me feeling very out of place and honestly, just like hiding a lot of myself, like, it left me giving different versions of myself to different people to help them feel comfortable instead of just being honest about who I was. And right. that was really painful for a really long time. And I think, yeah, I think I'm growing into a place now of what you're saying. And I think ministerial school is really helping me with that is embracing that eclectic background and knowing that God has a, flock of sheep that need a spiritual leader like that yeah that know that not one place not one group or not one philosophy is enough but not hating the ones that are human yeah <laughs> you know because we're all human we're, so we all have our limits we all have our sins, you know, um, and our shortcomings. Yeah. Um, so to not belong is more important than to belong right now. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I went to a Andy Stanley workshop a couple years ago, and I remember when I was looking around, I saw all these like bright, happy, like Christian like leaders and young ministers and ministerial students, and I just thought like, dang, I could have just done that. Like that would have been such an easier route, and like it, I wouldn't have to explain myself to people, and I wouldn't have to be like concerned about certain parts of my story and I wouldn't have to like live this all like I don't know confusing life and yeah I think I came back and told you about it and you were like no it's great <laughs> like yeah. that you have this story and that you're coming from this different perspective but yeah I think it's still hard for me to not fall into that sometimes and I think the things that ground me is like my relationship with God my deep commitment to this alternative lifestyle like that's for me like I would never trade living in an intentional spiritual community. Like I love right. it. Um, yeah. And it's so fitting to me. Um, so I know that I'm happy that I chose a different path, but yeah, I'm curious to see how it will play out and what it will look like moving forward. And yeah. I definitely don't feel done. I think what drove me through all that story is like, this like deep thirst for more spiritual knowledge. Um, and that's something that like from that moment when mom said to me, like, what's your relationship with God? Like, like from then, which is now like I was 20. So it's like more than 10 years. Like I am still eager every day to learn something nice. more, you know? Nice. And I think for me, that's the coolest thing about studying and devoting your life to God is like the content never ends. <laughs> Right. Always more content because like my belief is that like God is ever an ever expanding being, you know? Right. So like I will never run out of things to learn about God and my relationship with God. Right. Well that's awesome. Yeah. So this week for a moment, at least for a moment suspend the rules that you put on your spirituality and trust that there is a bigger force, whether that's God or your truest self. Um, There's a bigger force that is safe and not scary, Um, that that allows you to explore. Um, and what's the question that your mom asked? What's your relationship like with God? Yeah. So this week, don't be afraid to go to your boundaries and open the gate and just stand there in the middle of the gate and say, what's my relationship with God with my truest self, with whatever is bigger than me. What is that relationship like? And what else do I want to explore? 